Good morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for July 10th, 2016. Koyo Kubose here. So very, very glad you joined us. Well, I received an email recently from a Dharma friend that talked, and the email talked about um, cross-cultural language differences. And I'd like to share this with you. She's a Nisei lady. Nisei means second generation. I'm a third generation. Sansei. My children are fourth generation Japanese Americans. Um, This email says 11 beautiful Japanese words that don't exist in English. Um, Untranslatable words from Japan. Once when I asked my friend from a small tribe in Burma how they would say breakfast, uh, she told me that they don't have a word for for it because they only eat twice a day, lunch and dinner. Uh, I also happen to have a lot of friends who speak English as their second language. And this made me realize that language has a lot to do with particular culture's uniqueness. And because of that, there are some that are not easily translated into another language. Now, in Japanese culture, people have a lot of appreciation towards nature. And this nature appreciation is reflected in the language. And there are some beautiful words that are not translatable to English. So from this list, I chose eight words that I like to just share with you without any, not much commentary. And um, if you would like a copy of this email, you could just request it um, to our email, Bright Dawn email address, uh, brightdawn at kubose.com. Kubose is my last name, K-U-B as in boy, O-S-E. So Bright Dawn at Kubosa.com. This way, down anything when I'm talking about these words. Just listen and enjoy. Let the meaning of the words wash over you and resonate inside you and uh, enjoy these words. Okay. The first word is a lot of these words. I, some of them I I've heard about a lot of my... I've never heard about them. Okay. Uh, first word is komorebi, which refers to the sunlight that filters through the leaves of trees. And you know, there's a nice picture. Hmm. Second word is kogarashi. This refers to the cold wind that lets us know that winter is coming. Third word is mono no aware. Aware. Mono no aware. That's the refers to the pathos of things. Pathos. 
I guess that's sort of a sadness. It is the awareness of the impermanence of all things and the gentle sadness and wistfulness at their passing. Yay. Now that's getting a little bit more like a Dharma expression here. Fourth word is Shin Shinlin Yoku. Shin Shinlin Yoku. I guess the literal translation is in parenthesis means forest bathing. And the meaning is it's to go deep into the woods where everything is silent and peaceful and just relax. Taking a bath in the forest. I mean, the forest is <laughs> experience the forest, the quietness, peacefulness, just like taking a bath in the forest. <laughs> the fifth word is Yugen, the awareness of the universe that triggers and triggers emotional responses that are too mysterious and deep for words. Wow. You can. Awareness of the universe that triggers emotional responses that are somehow mysterious and too deep for words. Hey, hey. The sixth one is Shogunai. This is, I know that word. And the usual translation is, it cannot be helped. Shogunai. This is what happened. Can't be helped. But it's not a discouraging or despairing disparaging word. It means to accept that, you know, you can't control everything. And so it really encourages people to realize that things happen. It's not your fault or you don't have to lay blame. And you can just move on with no regret. Yeah, yeah. Seven. Kintsu kintsu kuroi. Kintsu kuroi. That's the art of repairing pottery with gold or silver joining the pieces and understanding that the piece is more beautiful for having been broken. So this is where, say, a pottery, a cup, gets broken, and then you repair it by um, affixing gold or silver to the broken pieces that way. And uh, you see these beautiful gold lines, where that, the cracked lines, and it turns into a beautiful piece because it was broken. And, of course, this could be a metaphor for mistakes in someone's life. And because of that mistake or accident or misfortune, something beautiful resulted from that because of what you experienced. And the broken pieces sometimes... Not in spite of 
its brokenness, but because of it, they're in life. Uh, there's a tremendous lesson there. And the last one is number eight, the classic. Mostly it's uh, said in artistic context, but it's wabi-sabi. Wabi-sabi refers to a way of living that focuses on finding beauty within the imperfections of life, peacefully accepting the natural cycle of growth and decay. Wow. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know who, who, where these, the English translation comes from uh, and the phrasing of it, but I never thought about that, that last phrase being associated with wabi-sabi. Peacefully accepting the natural cycle of growth and delay and decay. And when I read it, I can say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. There's another nuance or layer or texture to Wabi-Sabi's meaning in terms of a very broad perspective uh, of life. And uh, finding beauty within the imperfections. Uh, this is not so much like number seven where uh, the brokenness has its own beauty, but here um, it reminds me of my father wrote an article where he was uh, at a Ikebana exhibit, the art of flower arrangement. And these were uh, <clears throat> exhibits by well-known Ikebana teachers. And there was one exhibit that uh, really made him caught his attention because the teacher used a branch that had a a decayed, half-eaten leaf in a very prominent position in the arrangement. Now, so, uh, you might think that someone creating a flower arrangement to be exhibited, uh, you know, would not choose such a branch and put it in a prominent place. And, and my father said, gee, I, what a teaching here, you know, that this is the naturalness of things. And because of the way it was presented, finding beauty within imperfections and just seeing the naturalness of of nature. And how can we uh, apply this to flowing with human, not human, I shouldn't say human, I mean personal, personal mortality. There's a tremendous challenge there. How are you going to accept the natural cycle of growth and decay pertaining to you? I remember one time, I'm just going to close with this, but I didn't mean to comment so much on these 
examples. Uh, one time I, we were on family vacation visiting my brother's farm in uh, Fowler, California, just south of Fresno. And uh, <clears throat> my father was going to take a walk in early, you know, in the morning, maybe about nine, ten o'clock, and you know how it is in the morning, nice and peaceful. And so I was walking with him through the the grapevines, the rows, and I thought in my mind, I said, I, I wanna, I, I wanna take advantage of this opportunity, and, you know, calm in the morning, just walking and taking a peaceful walk. So I asked my father. And he must have been in his 90s. He lived to be 95. Uh, I said, hey, Dad, uh, are you, you know, you're getting older, and uh, are you worried about death? And right away he said, in sort of a nonchalant voice, no, uh, nature will take care of everything. Nothing to worry about. And, uh, you know, we didn't talk any further on that topic, but it took me a while to, over the next few years, to I thought about it and you know to to really have that in your bones is to really accept the natural cycle of growth and decay uh, and how that could relate to my faith personal mantra of keep going. Uh, I would I would extend it to the Buddhist idea of immortality in terms of you let your life your natural cycle of life and how you lived and you know, that's that kind of a karmic influence that went out into the universe is just gonna keep going. It's not the kind of personal, individual life that we normally think about that we want to keep going. It's not that kind of a personal clinging or desiring. Uh, but it's the natural cycle growth and decay. But can we put that into our bones? <laughs> okay. Okay, okay. I'd like to introduce today's uh, guest to give us the Dharma glimpse. His name is Douglas Sanyo, and as our usual policy for live Dharma Sunday Dharma glimpsers is to use their first name and um, their Dharma name. And that's just our policy so that we don't give their, their family name, even though a lot of them say, oh, that doesn't matter. He was part of our LM6 group, and he currently lives in Georgia. And so let's hear from Douglas Sanyo Sensei. And thank you for that kind introduction. I really appreciate it. Good morning, everyone. I hope that uh, this finds you well, joyous, and happy, and enjoying your summer as best as possible without uh, too much heat and or too much rain, wherever the case may be. Recently, I was giving... Uh, close attention to the four immeasurables. It's the teaching of the Buddha that he gave to his son Rahula. And I'll quote from you uh, the, piece, the piece that he did. Rahula practiced loving kindness to overcome anger. 
Loving kindness has the capacity to bring happiness to others without demanding anything in return. Practice compassion to overcome cruelty because compassion has the capacity to remove the suffering from others without expecting anything in return. Practice sympathetic joy to overcome hatred. Sympathetic joy arises when one rejoices over the happiness of others and wishes others well-being and success. Practice non-attachment to overcome prejudice. Non-attachment is the way of looking at all things openly and equally. This is because that is. Myself and others are not separate. Do not reject one thing only to chase after another. I call these the four immeasurables. Practice them and you will become a refreshing source of vitality and happiness for others. Recently during my uh, my tenure as a hospital chaplain, I'm I'm forced and faced with these four immeasurables to treat every single patient and every single staff member that I come in contact with. And it makes my position a lot easier because I want my patients to feel better. I know that sometimes they won't. I know I don't want them to pass too early, but I know that they can. I know that the staff members can become anxious, they can become depressed because of the situations that we that we're surrounded by. Trying to be trying to follow the four immeasurables makes every makes a lot of things a lot better. Because not only are we removing ourselves from the picture, but we're concentrating on others, which is what we should be doing in all things, in all places. I remember Reverend Koyo telling me a long time ago that it is what it is. And the Buddha even quotes this in in this discussion with his son. When we look at things for what they really are, we have no prejudice. We see nothing but nothing but kindness we're filled with compassion and we're practicing that empathy which overcomes any and all bad things so I just wanted to give a small reminder of the four immeasurables because they do help make me and you a refreshing source of vitality and happiness for others thank you very much have a brilliant day be well and go well. Thank you. He says, he says have a brilliant day. Uh, that's one of his pet phrases because uh, his Dharma name is Sanyo. San means brilliant. So Sanyo means brilliant sun. As you can imagine, bright dawn, you know, when the sunrise comes up, you first see it come over the horizon. Bam! You know, it's a brilliant flash of light. And, um, well, as a Dharma name, what does that mean? It certainly doesn't mean that Douglas Sanyo as an as a individual is a brilliant person. <laughs> no, it's a brilliant son. The brilliant light and life, the brilliant and life, corresponds to wisdom and compassion. Immeasurable wisdom, perfect compassion, in terms of the exaltation of 
idealism and perfection of these kinds of spiritual virtues that we should, that should be strived for, or at least facing the, in that direction, is when the sun rises, comes, you know, bam, you can't help but turn toward it. And we should be inspired by that. And then another phrase that Douglas Sanyo mentioned that uh, jumped out at me is he said when he was describing his work at the at the hospital chaplain and uh, using the four immeasurables, the four brilliant immeasurables, not that he himself is brilliant, but he said, to quote, we are removing ourselves from the situation. So the emphasis is not on the individual that's sharing the brilliant, immeasurable Dharma teachings. It's not the individual, but it's just shining like the sun shines. Um, and this the way I chuckle because during his uh, one of his sessions in the LM6 group one of his classmates you know they're always uh, quipping and just uh, associating things and just talking uh, and one of them said Douglas Douglas hey you have a great name you know in, in your <laughs> Doug less, there should be less of Doug as an individual in how you live your life. Um, so I, always, I thought those are those are some gems that come out in the interactions within the mini sangha, sort of a cyber sangha, when every week the class members get together and they discuss their you know, uh, reports, written reports on the assigned readings, and uh, we get some really neat uh, nuggets there. Well, that's all for today's broadcast. Until next time, keep going.